Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. Hey dads, how you doing today? Right on. Thank you for for being dads and we want to we want to pray over you before we get started and launch, launch into the message today, but um, if you're a dad, stand up for me real quick. Woo, come on, let's give those guys a round of applause. Thank you. You guys can grab a seat. Amen, Rowdy said, if it ain't Jesus, it ain't me. Amen. And we're going we're gonna to hear a great message, huh? and I think you'll all be encouraged by it today as we kick off our This and That series and talking about poor in spirit. But dads, we want to pray for you. Um, and just pray that God would fill you and equip you and enable you to continue to lead in whatever season of daddom you are in. Amen. So, Lord, we thank you. I thank you for dads. Thank you for um, giving us dads, God. And, God, thank you for being such a great example. Because, Lord, like Rowdy even said, without you we cannot do it. So we desire, God, to be better dads, again, in whatever season we're in. And, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us because we are incapable without you. But with you, we will be good dads. We will lead our families well. We will invest in our kids well. And your kingdom will continue to go forward because of how you operate in our lives and into the lives of other people in our family. So, God, we commit this day to you and this service and all the things that we do in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said? Amen. Dads, also real quick, we have gifts for you today, and we are going to actually have some drawings. We have, what's the gun called? Uh, it's called an assault gun because it's made of salt and you shoot flies with it. Yes. So uh, Michael was holding it in the video so you can get one of those. You can also get one of those rockin' camping chairs that Michael was in. Basically, right. he was what you can win. And then we got a really cool hunting knife. We do. And... So how do you win those? You've got cards out there. They're little camo cards for the cafe. So go get yourself a a hot cup of coffee or a smoothie or something. And when you put that in with your name on it, you'll enter into a drawing for for those baskets over the next couple of weeks here. And then also today, we've got a little carabiner out there for you today. They're in a basket right by the gift cards on your way out right on either side of the door or over by the welcome wall. So dads, make sure you grab one of those today. And thank you for being here with us. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we're kicking off this series, we're calling it This and That, and we'll explain it in a moment, but it's uh, based in the Beatitudes. Uh, Matthew 5 is the, the main place that you would see that. It's uh, the beginning of the, the, the famous Sermon on the Mount uh, that Jesus teaches. Um, and, and, and so we're going to take eight weeks and just, just peel this apart and look at each one that Jesus says there and how that applies to our lives and what... <clears throat> what was meant by it then and what it, what it means for us now. And, uh, and, and, and the reason we have this and that, uh, uh, because Jesus says, when you are this, God will do that. Or when you act like this or live like this or become this, that happens in your life. So, uh, so as we look at what's famously called the Beatitudes, uh, we're looking at when Jesus teaches and, and what all that means um, Luke 6 uh, refers to this a little bit in a different way with his account. This is probably a sermon that Jesus preached uh, a number of times. This is the first time it's written in Scripture. This might have been the first time he preached it. Uh, probably was, but it was probably one of those, 
the, those messages that he said a lot. And so he probably, Luke has a slightly different uh, account Take of it. Up. And uh, But he refers to these blessings that Jesus talks about as great rewards, as great rewards from God to you and I as we live this out. Um, now, religion or the Pharisees of the day, or it's religion today, they teach that, that righteousness um, is, a, is a matter of obeying rules, following regulations, uh, basically do this. Uh, culture or the world around us teaches that it's all about you, yep. what you can get, what you can gain, get you some, step on whoever you need to step on, do, what, do, what it's, do what's needed uh, to get you some, basically attain this. In the Beatitudes, Jesus is describing Christian character that's inter- internal, that comes from our heart. It, it flows from the spirit within us, and, and he's basically saying, be this. It's the character of Jesus in us, coming out of us. Mm-hmm. I don't act or perform or accomplish my way into character. Mm-hmm. I live like Jesus. I look at how he lived in this gospel I look at what, what he says from Old Testament to New. I apply it to my life. I have good people in community around me to grow me and disciple me and, and, and train me up. Um, so when Jesus teaches here, he says that God promises great rewards, uh, a special blessing, heavenly joy even, uh, when we live the way that he would live, the way he did live and the way he would live if he were in Burnett County, Texas in 2023, um, you are this and God promises that. Uh, this is actually who we're to become after being saved. We can't be this prior to salvation because it's flesh and it's, we're, we're anti-God at that time. And then Jesus saves us and the Holy Spirit moves in, dwells in our hearts, and, and it's the Holy Spirit's job to hone us and shape us, to mold us on that potter's wheel into, the, into this image. So if you're a believer in Jesus who follows him as Lord, this is the kind of person that you will become. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, 18 gives us the, what, the, what the Holy Spirit is basically doing in our lives because of all that, that Jesus did on the cross in, in dying in our place to, to pay the penalty for our sins we can come close to God now, we're told. We're, we're, the, the veil is torn away. Uh, the stuff is gone in front of us. We don't have to go through another person or rituals. Nothing hinders or blocks or gets in the way at all of our relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And with nothing blocking that face-to-face connection, that deep connection that we're to have, Scripture tells us that we're all like mirror images who precisely portray the picture of Jesus. Take that in for a moment. You know you, I know me, you know the person next to you. Jesus is saying in Scripture, you perfectly reflect my image now. Yeah, but. Okay, okay. So we're in process at the same time. We are mirror images of Jesus and the Holy Spirit is turning us into mirror images of Jesus. Already? Not yet. Yes, and in process. 
There's no smeared view. There's no fog blocking it. There's, no, uh, there, there's nothing that, that looks less than. It's a crystal clear picture of Jesus now. And, and so at the same time that we are the mirror image, he is turning us into that mirror image one degree at a time. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, and realize this, what Jesus is, is doing and wants to do in you and me is this, the Beatitudes. You might read them and go, ah, oh. he, he is doing and wants to do this in our lives. You don't wake up one day and decide, I'm just going to be poor in spirit. I got this, man. <laughs> Jeremy's preached on it. I'm going to do it today. Just going to will it forward. This message today won't cure you of not living mercifully towards others. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not a, a singular prayer uh, that, that you can pray to that, that magically makes you into a peacemaker, right? These godly character traits are molded into us as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, as we let people pour into our lives, as we give our lives away, as we do the gospel as a lifestyle, live it out, this is, this is who we become. And maybe you're looking at the list and you're just not sure it describes you. Uh, Pastor, I, I read what it says and, and it sounds unattainable. Uh, I love it, but I think I'm missing like seven out of eight. Uh, maybe, maybe you're not sure what you think about these. Some sound amazing and some sound a little bit odd. I mean, what does to mourn mean? I don't, I don't really like that idea. Can you rephrase it? We're going to peel that apart next week. Be a peacemaker in this crazy world? I don't, no, they're mean. Okay, so, so if you have those questions, this is a great place to be. Let's grow into this. Let's not pretend we are this. If we're not, let's let Jesus move in our lives. We want to take each one and peel them apart and apply them to our lives to begin to say, Holy Spirit, remake me into this. So that these promises from Jesus, from the Trinity God himself, come to pass in my life. I mean, he wants you to receive these promises today, these blessings. And, and he's like, I'm all for you. Psalm 37 has just such a great, a great statement in it from written by King David about how God is on our side. It says in Psalm 37, starting in verse 3, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. What that means is he's going to do it. As sure as the dawn comes, he's going to make you righteous. As as strong and obvious as the sun is at noon, he is taking your judgment and then he's giving you his judgment. As the perfect son of God, you get that reward. I think we as Texans understand the sun being strong at noon more than they did back then, right? No one said amen and I understand, right? Uh, we get it. And then he goes on in verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who carries out wicked schemes, he's saying, don't you think at all that they're better off than you? Because they're not. Because their reward is themselves. Your reward is me. 
And, and so as Jesus is talking here in the, in the section of the Beatitudes and the, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, as hard as it is to hear, he wraps up this with three verses on persecution. It's his longest phrasing in the Beatitudes. He's saying if, if we live out the Christian life, if we live according to God, we will be insulted. We will be criticized. It, it, if you live in such a way that, that points to Jesus, people will have to make up stories about you in order to say evil things. They'll have to fabricate something that says evil because you're living like Jesus and there's no evil in you or coming from your life. And, and with all that Jesus says as he wraps it up, he says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward. And the setting for these teachings is, is found back in Matthew chapter 4. Um, so I'm going to set it up here as I'm doing right now, and then Jeremy's going to take this first part here. Uh, but Jesus shows up in Galilee, and he begins to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, we read. He's baptized by John. He's taken to the desert to, to be tempted. And then, and then uh, chapter 4 tells us as he comes back from the desert that he begins to gather disciples. Healing is happening. It says in one place, everyone that is sick that comes to him gets healed. In that, in that whatever, in that moment of time, his fame spreads throughout the area. There's massive crowds. They're coming from Jerusalem. They're coming from Syria. They're coming from all over Judah. They're coming from the Decapolis, which means that they're probably more uh, Gentiles than Jews. So not only is the, the kingdom being preached to the, the Jewish people, the Hebrews, but, but he's calling them all into the kingdom. And, and it says beyond the Jordan, which meant all Gentiles. They're, start, they're coming to him, these massive crowds. And the, so the good news of Jesus is being preached. He is pushing back darkness by bringing in the light of the kingdom. And it shines so brightly in these character traits found in the Beatitudes. So, so what is blessed are? Like, we use the word bless or blessing or blessed uh, or, ble you know, whatever, however phrase you use it. We use that in a lot of different ways. You sneeze, somebody blesses you. Uh, somebody kind of gives you a head scratcher or does something dumb. We're like, bless our hearts. Uh, you know, so we, we have all of our, our different things that we say. But, but what Jesus is saying here is, is a number of different things. He's saying, in one way, God is pronouncing his blessedness onto you, which is the biggest and most exciting part. As God watches you live gentle and hunger after righteousness and all these beatitudes, he says, that's my girl. Way to go, son. That's what I'm talking about. It's, it's God going, yes. That's it, right there. That's my Jesus being played out in your life. And the Greek word used here is, is called makarios. That's your only $10 word for me today. Um, and I don't even know how I pronounced it right. I'm sure I did because it doesn't seem that hard, but uh, I don't really know it that well. But it partially means happy. In Greek, it meant something happy that you attain because you're wealthy and you have no worries because you got it all made. But that's obviously not what, what is meant here. In, in the original language of the non-saved person, it meant I'm happy with the good outcome. I'm happy when things go my way. Uh, it's, it's so satisfying for me and me alone. For us, it's more like 
I'm so happy because I'm living correctly. I'm living like Jesus, and I just can't stop being happy. It's, it's so much more than being dictated by circumstances or feelings. So Matthew was using it in a new way here that went beyond material in any way. It also conveys victory, a congratulations from God that you did what was needed to do to be victorious in that day, in that moment, in that setting, in that conversation, in that interaction, in that person being, being off, you weren't. Congratulations, you were victorious, not at their expense, but at Jesus' highlight from your life. You did what was called for, well done. That's what it means here. And so God is saying, I bless your life. Yours is what I give you. It's happiness that can't be crafted in, in your own in any way. It's this true satisfaction. It's God saying, I'm happy because of you. The creator God is saying, I'm happy because you are this. And so you get my love, my blessing, my reward, my congratulations to you. So these guiding principles from Jesus, they're, they're prayer points for us as we begin following him and as we realize, oh, I need this in my life. I'm not really living this way out. It's, it's benchmarks along the journey uh, over the years. It, it gives us a, a deep uh, look into what matters most to Jesus. And, and don't be discouraged if, if it doesn't describe you right now. Be challenged to aim for something, to have something to pray about, to ask people to speak into your life over. Let the Holy Spirit renew your heart. Just ask him to mold and shape you into this and, and to remake you. Jesus was bringing something that aligned with the Old Testament but also gave us something new and bigger and that would change the world around us because the world is broken. Religion ain't gonna get you nowhere. The world is broken. The new way is what Jesus is bringing to us here. So, it says in Matthew chapter five, verses one and two, when Jesus saw the crowds that I mentioned were gathering, he went up to the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, God blesses those who realize their need, or some of your translations may say, who are poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Amen? Amen. What does that look like? I think for dads today, and I was thinking about all this a lot this week, as a dad, what does that mean for me? It means that dads, if we lead our families well, about your success rate for your kids and your wives and everything you're investing in and, and holding on to is about 83% success rate for your kids. And I don't say that, I don't share that stat to be like, man, you need to do better, figure it out. I'm saying, man, if we lead well, if we love Jesus with our whole hearts and we pursue this, man, I'm blessed if I realize that I don't have this all figured out. I can't dad without you. I don't want to. Amen? I'm, I'm incapable. Anybody fail last week as a dad? Okay, just me. All right. But I'm just saying the Holy Spirit is there to help us. 
He's there for us to be an example of a really, really good dad who, guess what, says, dad, you can do it. Son, come here. Let me change you. Let me shape you. Let me speak into you. Man, I want to give, who doesn't want to give their kids an 83% success rate? Everybody would say, yeah, I want that. Lord, help me. So your roles are important, dads or dads to be, because we have to realize that there's this factor. We need to realize that it's okay to be poor in spirit. And I'm not talking about like monetary. I'm not talking about the cash or the things you do. Or I know some of the greatest, greatest uh, providers in the face of the planet that I've been around or got to know who provide really well for their family. But I would tell you spiritually, they don't invest in their family. Spiritually, they, they kind of uh, skate by. They check a box, if you will. They're, they're in this religious pursuit. But really, for them, the example is not to be like, God, I, I, don't know, I don't have this figured out. Because I will tell you this, too. The money that you invest in stuff and things will not be remembered later. It is the spiritual investment. It is your pursuit of Jesus how you love him, how you, how you spend your life repentant towards a good God who's looking to shape us and mold us, like Pastor Scott said, more into his image. That's what they'll remember at the end of the day. They'll remember those things long after you're gone. So I wanna encourage you with that today. We have to realize our need, our inability to perform. Success without God is very limited. Amen. And we will not experience the life that he has here for us today and for this life that is like a vapor and a breath. Really laying it all down and saying, God, I desire to understand what it is to be poor in spirit, to realize that without you, I am completely spiritually bankrupt. Amen. That goes for all of us in here today, right? God, I realize I'm spiritually bankrupt without you. I can't lead well. I can't love well. I can't do it. And really, that was kind of my story. I came to a place in my mid-20s where I was like, God, I, I don't even know if you have anything good for me to do. But I realized that all of my ability to work hard, try, try harder, do better, do more, climb some weird ladder, I was spiritually bankrupt. I was tired. I didn't, I didn't really care much about that because I was like, everything that I tried to mold with my own hands failed miserably. But that's when I came to God and said, God, if you can still do something with this scrap heap, here I am, use my life. Change me. Make me more like you. I need you operating in my life. Because it's not religion, it's relationship. It is understanding who your heavenly father is and engaging in that relationship. It's not religion, it's relationship with the living, loving God. I think as guys sometimes or even believers are like, well, God, I'm just going to kind of I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to, I'm going to do the things that I know are right, but I just, I just know that you're a really angry God. Guess what? That's a lie from the pit of hell. He's a really happy God. He's a really good dad to you. And he desires for you to know him in that way. He desires you to know that he took care of it all in Jesus, Hebrews 10 and Matthew 5, later on in the text in verse 15 through 20, Jesus says, I came to fulfill the law to totally take care of all the religious stuff that you would do so that you can succeed in it. You should get encouraged about that. You're not doing it on, on your own manpower, if you will, your own human will. You have a really good God who is saying, look, I'm with you in your lack. Where you are weak, I will make you strong. Will you love me? 
Will you realize that you need me and will you come to me and live out of a repentant heart and watch me change you? Watch me make you the man, the son, the daughter that you need to be so you can live out this life looking more and more like me. I was thinking about this too. What does entering the kingdom look like? Well, it requires death. Yay. It requires death. Death of your flesh. Again, a turning over, a submission to this loving God. It requires you submitting your agenda and your will and your plans and all of your stuff to Jesus saying, here it all is. Use my life. That's hard for us sometimes. Hey, I, I love to get a lot of stuff done and I'm very black and white. I, I don't have a lot of gray matter in my life. Um, it either is or it isn't. And then Scott helps me. He's like, yeah, but more grace. I'm like, thank you. I need to remember those things. But God wants to shape you and mold you because the narrow and the, and the, and the path that leads to life, Jesus says it's pretty hard and few find it. But I think it's really a breakdown of your heart and it's our stubbornness and lack to want to partner with a living, loving God. To submit all the stuff to him just saying, I don't have a clue how this is going to work out, but I, I want you to help me. I need you to help me because I'm going to fail miserably without you. Our spiritual baggage sometimes, our misunderstanding of the really good God that is there to partner with us and sometimes our unwillingness to address our own hearts and our shortcomings and our failures doesn't allow us to be poor in spirit. Again, this is, this, is, this is a heart issue. This is a humility is really what this text is talking about too. It's a, it's a willingness to say, I don't have it all figured out, but I want to. Some of you are out there, maybe you're a new dad. Maybe you're desiring to be a dad. Man, get with God and figure out what that looks like so you can do the absolute best you can for your family to come. Any, any Gen Zers out there? I see a few of you. The reason this generation is so sideways in our culture is because they're fatherless. They don't have dads. I had a great dad. He went to be with Jesus and he's partying in heaven right now looking over the railing three years ago. I had a great dad from 3,500 miles away, but it was still hard. Be a good dad. Submit your life to him now as a man of God saying, God, I don't have it all figured out. And thank you that you're going to help me to figure out the things that I don't know. You're going you're gonna to help me in my shortcomings. When I think I'm falling short, And you're going to shore me up. And you're going to make me a man of God that's going to love my wife well. Going to love my kids well. God, thank you that 80%, I take that promise. And I'm going to apply that to my life. Thank you, God, for helping me where I'm weak. And filling in the gaps. Because really it's all about his kingdom anyway. And that's the promise in the text. That those that are poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven is yours. If you're a submitted believer in this place today, a follower and a lover of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is yours. And we got to back it up. But God, am I, am I letting you into every area? Am I submitting to you in that? And maybe even as we close out the service today, maybe you really genuinely need to come to this altar. You remember a couple months back when I said, this altar's not a place of weakness? Not a place of weakness. Colonna said, Dad, I think we're all emotional because you know how to cry. I'm like, probably. That's an okay thing to be able to pour out your heart before a really good God. For your kids to see tears well up in your eyes and run down your face once in a while. 
You don't always, guys, have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, parents. It's good for your kids to learn how to love that way and to feel the heart of the Father. Amen? Who enables us to accomplish anything anyway. So whose kingdom are you building? Are you building yours? Are you building his? Are you laying your life down and submitting to the process and diligently pursuing God? Having a heart like David, a heart after his own God? Are you building some kingdom that when it all comes to the end, when God pulls the purse strings and wraps it all up, what's left? Your investments won't be left. Your house won't be left. All the stuff, which isn't bad. I love stuff. Stuff's great. But if the stuff owns you and that is your thing to lead and guide your family is fun, 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 till her daddy takes her T-bird away. I'm, I'm telling you, your kids aren't going to care about that stuff. Your kids are going to care about when you woke up and you talked about the Lord. When you went to bed and you prayed with them and you talked about Jesus. When you lived it out in front of them, that's what they'll remember. When they wrestle through hard times, the promise is all of our investment up front, knowing God, loving God, being poor in spirit, realizing that we need him in every area of our life, that's what they'll remember. Because they're going to draw on those things. Man, what did my mom and dad tell me back then? Oh, yeah. They told me I needed to not have it all figured out and it was okay to not have a complete detailed calendared plan, but that God would meet me in the midst of that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, I have the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of me who will lead me and guide me into all righteousness, who will remind me that I'm not all that in a bag of chips, and who will help me to submit and love and go, Father, I need you today in this moment. I, I've got to have you. Please help me to be poor in spirit. God, your kingdom come, your will be done in me and in my life and in the life of my kids and my family, my coworkers. How do I need to live my life? I would say this, I think it's ultimate humility at the end of the day. Ultimate humility. And humility is the absence of pride. I don't have it all figured out. I cannot and do not want to accomplish it because then I just did it in my own human strength, right? Holy Spirit, help me. Help me, help me to look like Jesus. Matthew 26, verse 39, talking about Jesus. He went a little farther and bowed his face to the ground praying, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not my will to be done. That's a really good Jesus. Amen. That's the example set before us. And he says, look, I'm making you more like me. As you submit to me, as you let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you, I'm going to make you more like that Jesus in that garden. He said, Father, I don't have it all figured out. This looks really, really bad. This cup of wrath, if you could go ahead and take that, I would love it. But your will be done in me, not my will. Your will, not my will be done. I stole that from a commentary. The kingdom belongs to those who confess their spiritual bankruptcy. It's hard sometimes, as that means we have to live a repentant life. That means we have to confess to one another sometimes that, man, I don't have this all figured out. I failed today. I had a bad week. I, I blew up at my kids and my wife. It's going to happen. But will you have a heart that's after your father's heart? Will you let the Holy Spirit be the meat tenderizer that goes, mm-hmm, I see that. But I want to do better. And God goes, that's right, son. That's right, daughter. Come on. Come here. Let me make you more like me. 
good for you. Congratulations. Well done in your ability to recognize you're not capable in it. But I will help you and I will strengthen you. And I will bring you to a place where you can understand who I am and who you are as sons and daughters of a living God. And watch this, I'll help you. Psalm 51 says this, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken, repentant heart, oh God. That's a good promise. So I just think as we're looking at that, we just need to have maybe an alignment today. And shame and guilt off you in the name of Jesus. This is not that. See, I did that. (laughs) That's not what this is. This is an opportunity to bring it all to Jesus and say, I don't have it all figured out, but I know you know, and I know you'll help me. And Holy Spirit, you were sealed to me at salvation to lead me and guide me. In my lack, Jesus says, I'm going to send the comforter, the counselor, the one who will empower you to accomplish everything that he's calling you to do, and you can't do it without him. So maybe today it's engaging in a deeper relationship with that spirit that's supposed to lead us, guide us, cover us. Because guess what? We can't do it without him, and we wouldn't want to anyways. Because that doesn't bring any glory or honor. When Jesus is lifted up, he draws all men, women, and children to himself. So can we just say, hey, God, I don't have it all figured out today. Hey, God, I desire you to move in my life because I cannot do this and I do not want to do it without you. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good mom. I want to lead my family well. Holy Spirit, come alive in this place. We stand up with me today as we get ready to worship God. Again, this altar is not a place of weakness. Maybe you need to come as moms and dads today to this altar. Dads, maybe you just need to come. Maybe you just need to lift your hands and worship maybe where it's uncomfortable and say, God, meet me here today. Meet me in this place. Maybe today you need to know that you serve a loving heavenly father who's not looking to smack you and shame you and guilt you, but who's creating an opportunity for today saying, son, daughter, be poor in spirit. Good job. Well done. Come and let me touch you today. Let me encourage you. So God, I thank you for your goodness. Holy Spirit, thank you for living inside of us and empowering us to accomplish the will of God. Thank you that, God, we are spiritually bankrupt. We can't do it without you. But yet you pick us. You choose us. You call us co-heirs to the throne of heaven, which is a mind-boggling thing altogether. And you say, good job being poor in spirit. Good job realizing your need for me. I will help you. I will strengthen you, and I surely will not let you fail. I will bring you through the storm. I will fill in the gaps, and I will help you and meet you in your lack and need. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is yours. Amen. For more messages and full services, visit hcfburnit.org or the Church Center app and connect with us on social media.